0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. It is Wednesday, March 28th, 2012, 9.30, Greenwich Mean Time or Eastern Standard Time, however you want to look at it. And um, we got a a jam-packed show for you tonight. It was um, pretty interesting earlier in the week uh, after I finished the Sunday show, I was kind of... Wondering what I was going to talk about for this show is always a little bit of forward thinking involved when you're doing a um, a radio broadcast. But um, I was sitting there thinking to myself, man, what can I really talk about? What can I cover that will um, really pique everybody's interest? And lo and behold, my boy, John Corzine, comes out of the woodwork again to deliver yet another goodie for me to talk about. So we'll be getting into that a little bit later on. Um, just to recap, last show was um, was great. I actually got to cover a lot of a lot of topics that are near and dear to my heart. But just to let you guys know, whoever's tuning in for the first time, the format for the show: uh, I spend a little bit of time on the news, and then I transition into my topic for the week, and then I open up the phones. But this is um, this is not infotainment. This is this is basically a mechanism for me to get out issues that that people need to discuss and that that the lamestream media are really not going to talk about. They might touch on with their fancy teleprompters and and press suits but they won't really dive into the issues and what the ramifications are for us listening today. So jumping right into the news and um, by the way if you want to follow along and um, and check out some of the documents that I reference in my radio show um feel free to go to my website um, not Cattle dot net. You can click on the antenna icon or you can click on the countdown icon and it'll actually take you to the supporting documents page for the show today. And as you can see we got the news lined up and then um we got some other stuff lined up as well. So um just diving right into the news that I have for you. Um the news the the first story that I saw, this was actually out a couple of weeks ago But I did want to touch on it because I thought it was pretty impressive. And that was – PepsiCo is actually come out and um, they were using aborted fetal tissue in some of their drinks, which sounds really gross, and and it pretty much is. This is an article from Natural News, and I'll just read you a couple of excerpts from it. Um, It talks about in the beginning how it was – how they were using isolated uh, human taste receptors um, for this one company. It's called Synomics, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And this um, this nonprofit group um, kind of got um, they uh, they broke the news about it. And just to, just to read you an excerpt from the article, it says, um, you know, Pepsi shareholders filed a resolution petitioning the company to ad- to quote. Adopt a corporate policy that recognizes human rights and employs ethical standards which do not involve using the remains of aborted human beings in both private and collaborative research and developmental agreements. But the Obama administration shut down this 36 page proposal, deciding instead that Pepsi's use of aborted babies to flavor its beverage products is just business as usual and is of no significant concern. And continuing in the article, we are talking about, we are not talking about, and this is a quote, we are not talking about what kind of pencils that PepsiCo wants us to use. We are talking about the ex, exploiting the remains of aborted children for profit. And that was um, uh, the executive director of the Children of God for Life. So – you know truth really is stranger than fiction and for those of you that are stuck in the matrix of of watching you know desperate housewives and and watching jersey shore to get your thrills you really need to unplug and, and find out what's going on in the world around you cuz this stuff is nuts and this is not this is not a you know an out of the ordinary occurrence this is an everyday thing you see crazy news like this but it's not going to get covered in the mainstream media because they have to keep you um number one they have to keep you in fighting with one another that's why they have the the false right left paradigm with the democrats and republicans but they have to keep you you know in some semblance of control otherwise if if the people start really waking up to so all the craziness that's going on around them, you're going to shut off of the, um, you know, of the mechanism. And basically, you're just going to shut the mechanism off. You're not going to sit there and watch Desperate Housewives. You're going to go out and read stuff like this and go, "What the heck is going on?" So, you know, side issue continuing. This article actually came out, I believe it was today, and um, it talks about and it and i think the uh, actual headline is google lets users monitor their activity well isn't that nice of google to let you monitor your activity guys this is the this is the easiest backdoor slow trojan horse to getting you to internet censorship that i have ever seen in my life and i just read right through the propaganda it's absolutely disgusting it's talking about how it's going to make it easier for you to browse and you're not going to have people be able to get into your IP and jack your account do all this browsing and get into your computer no 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 it's much worse than that so just some excerpts from the article it says those who sign up to get the password protected links to reporting tools and managing account privacy this is a new feature introduced the same month that google rolled out a new privacy policy allowing the firm to track users across various ser- um, services to develop target advertising despite criticism from con- consumer advocacy groups. Guys, Google been, has been doing this for, you know, when they talk about target advertising, they were listening to you. I guess this is, must have been five years ago. They actually had an article come out and said that, yeah, we're gonna listen to you, and if we hear, we're gonna listen to you when you're browsing on Google via your, you know, your microphone that's embedded into your computer. Every computer has one, and if we hear your dog bark, we're gonna pop up ads for, you know, your dog barking, or I mean, excuse me, not your dog barking, but for dog food, and you're gonna go, wow, that's pretty crazy. I can't believe that. That that um, there's a there's a special on uh, dog food over at the at the local grocery store. Wow, I need to check that link out. This is, I mean, this is just very very classical backdoor stuff that Google has been caught doing, and and Facebook and all of these guys, you know, selling off your data. And and when you sign, you when you click your little I agree, um, a lot of those things you probably don't even read them. But you know, a lot of the the service providers out there have clauses in there and say that hey, we're going to sell this to um to third party vendors. We're going to sell your information. We're going to sell your browsing history. We're going to sell it all. So, and then it the, continues on and actually ends up it says Google didn't contends that the move simplifies and unifies its policies across various services such as Gmail, YouTube, Android mobile systems, which I actually own one of those tracking devices, and Google Plus search network. So, just a really crazy article that comes out, and, and, and it's always the, – they're going to position it as something great, and it's always about security and safety, kind of like the TSA is all about our security and safety. Anytime that you see some kind of huge entity come out and say this is for your good and, and, and you know this is to protect the, the consumer, you might want to do a little bit more research in it because if you take it at face value, it's probably going to get you into a little bit of trouble. So continuing um, – this is a – the next article is, a, um, is an article that's from Infowars.com by Kirk Nemo. I want to give credit where credit is due. These guys are absolutely awesome at what they do. And the headline reads, "Fedballs: Bernanke promises high, record high gas prices through the summer. Now, poor, gentle Ben with his you know grocery shopping by himself and all of that good stuff. I'm sure you do your own shopping where it was actually funny when I played that clip last weekend. It sounded like when Ron Paul asked him if he did his own shopping that he almost wanted to say, I do sometimes, and he caught himself, and I do some uh. – but anyway – so, you know, the chairman of the Fed gets up there and says that, you know, we're going to experience some, you know, some high gas prices due to, you know, uncertainties in in Iran. And then, you know, throughout the article, a little excerpt of it, Ron Paul actually calls him out on it and says, you know, most co- economists fail to understand that inflation is the root of the mon- monetary phenomenon. And this is what Ron Paul wrote last March there are other ways and factors and contribute to price increases such as famine, flood, global unrest and other effects are are and those but those effects are transient um and he says um consistently citing these only or only these factors while never acknowledging the effects of the monetary policy is a cop out and he's exactly right you know when he announces QE3, that he's going to start adding more money to the money supply, which devalues our currency, and and people still don't even know what QE3 is, and that's why you know I'm here screaming and, and telling everybody that I know that you know it's not just gas prices. You can see gas prices because they're posted in your face every day. Prices of everything are going up. Everything is gradually going up, and it's the slow roll. And so, you know, what I wanted to transition into for the topic of the show today is number one, I want to talk about MF Global, but I also want to talk about some of the other things that are going on in society. And I want to talk about specifically derivatives and what derivatives are and how they can be just as evil as the, as the Dickens. So, in order to coin a, a southern phrase there, if you will. So I do have this clip and it's about um it's a little over two minutes and it's by Max Kaiser and um and Max Kaiser for those of you that don't know um he actually helped invent the Hollywood Stock Exchange which is, you know, or at least one of the devices and that's that's the trading mechanism they use today, the digital currency and the digital trades and you know, split second trades and all that stuff. But he really does get into what's called an option call or a call bet. And it's just like if you think about in poker, it's just like if if something gets to this then I'm going to call. I'm going to accept it. So here's the clip and then on the other side I will um I'll try to explain it a little bit further and then I want to talk about the derivatives and then finally at the end of the show we'll talk about my buddy John Corzine and I got a couple of clips for you on that as well.
2: The formula the option volatility formula which which allowed for the first time for the value of options that were out of the money, options that were, um, had no intrinsic value to carry an intrinsic, to carry um, a, a, a premium or a price based on this volatility formula, which was uh, tracking volatility in, in, the, uh, in the option now. It's very important because when people talk about derivatives, You know, this is really the beginning of what derivatives are. An option is a derivative, it's it's the value of the option is derived from the underlying, let's say in this case, a stock, so if IBM stock trades in New York, there's an option to buy IBM stock at the current price trading in Chicago, and if the option to buy IBM stock is to buy IBM stock at $100 a share, and the price of IBM stock is in fact at $100 a share, you can say that any price that people are paying right now is called the premium. They're paying more than the actual value of the value of the stock, and they would do this because they think that the price of IBM is going to go up. So that's the story with a with a call option. You have the you can call. Uh, you can you, you have the option to buy the stock at um, $100 a share. And uh, if the stock goes to 120, then the value of that option goes up. If the stock goes to 90, then the value of that option would go to zero and uh, something like 90% of all options, in fact, expire worthless in this exact same uh, scenario because an option has a set period of time that it, is, that it exists, you know, three months, six months or nine months. Okay, that's a call. It's, it's easier to understand what a call option is. You know, you're buying a call option Price of the stock's going up. It gives you a way to buy, to participate in the upside of the stock for very little money.
1: So to clarify, so that so IBM is a hundred dollars, for example, and the call option is not going to. You're, you're betting that the price is going to go to a hundred and ten, but you're not. Are you? You're not buying the option for ten dollars. You're buying it. You're buying it. Whatever the market determines it is, maybe one dollar, or two dollar, or three dollars, or or more.
2: Right. So if you think IBM is going to go higher than $100 a share, you have uh, the choice of either buying IBM for $100 a share and thus tying up $100 per share in capital uh, in your account, or you may choose to buy the option, which might only be trading for one buck. Now if IBM goes to 110 the value of the underlying stock goes from 100 to $110, you are making 10%. If the if you're buying an option for $1 and it goes to 110 the option goes from $1 to $10. So you're making a...
1: Okay, so that was a brief breakdown on what a call option is, which is a form of a derivative. So, you know, that leads me to, um, to my next post on here. And my next post is, um, how many derivatives are out in the marketplace? Well. It's really kind of hard to understand how many derivatives are out there. Remember derivatives are not actual they're not actually money. They're they're like he said they're they're monetized bets for the most part and they can go to zero or they can, you know, inflate if your speculation is correct and you can actually earn money on it. So, how much or how many derivatives are out in the marketplace? Well, in 2011, these are the latest numbers we have. Um, it was something around the number of 707 trillion, 707 trillion, not billions with a B. And just to give you an idea, and this is a, a quote that I, I took off of Zero Hedge, and I actually linked to the article as well. Um, just It says, Indicatively, the global GDP is about 63 trillion so and and some of the latest speculations have said that it's it's like 1.1 quadrillion in derivatives so once again second layer of thinking on this show as usual let's think about this let's think about if we've got let's go on the low end let's say that we've got 707 trillion in derivatives out there and the entire global GDP is sixty-three trillion. And exactly what happened, what Max Kaiser described happens. Let's say that you know the majority of these derivatives end up going to zero. And they default. And then what they do is they'll have they'll have some kind of backing or a security on it where you get paid. So so you know, when you saw the housing collapse. The reason the AIG collapsed first is because they had – they actually owned the securities for all of this collateralized debt or these bad bets or ARMS or whatever you want to call them. Basically, it's just phony money betting on the future. Remember, ARMS could inflate, and then they did, and everybody lost their butt, but the way that everybody positioned it was that, hey, you know – houses are increasing at fifteen percent every year ten percent in value you know with this arm you know even though it's going to go up after five years you know you'll already make your thirty or forty thousand on it you just sell it at the at the top and 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 you make a free thirty thousand dollars well that's great except for almost everybody did that and then everybody got an inflated arm and then went bust so continuing um transitioning off of the derivatives Let's get into one of the main topics of the show today and let's talk about let's talk about corporate fraud. And let's talk about how it doesn't get enough publicity. And when I talk about corporate fraud, I'm not talking about some guy that gets the golden parachute and he makes, you know, 5 million dollars on the way out of taking a company to bankruptcy or whatever or Solyndra, or any of that stuff. I'm talking about the hardcore stuff that gets touched on in the news, and then you get a slap on the wrist, and, and then you just kind of move on with the day-to-day operations, which leads me right into the next link on my site, which is Wachovia and Wells Fargo launder $378 billion worth of drug money. Not M's, not millions with an M. We're talking about billions of dollars. And, you know, just an excerpt from the article that I linked to, there's about five or six of them out there. But um, it just says from the one time period of May 1st, 2004, through May 31st, 2007, Wachovia proceeded at least, or processed, excuse me, at least $373 billion in CDCs and $4.7 billion in bulk cash, you know, to total more than $378 billion which the sum dwarfs the entire budget by the United States and local securities to provide services to their citizens. So this is a huge chunk of money. And and so you're probably asking yourself, wow, if these guys if these guys laundered that much money, how much did they have to pay? They probably I'm surprised they're not bankrupt. Well, isn't that great? The next quote out of the article said they ended up paying A total of $160 that was the time to use the M – million, which is less than 2% of the entire amount that they laundered. So that's like me walking out of a bank with a million bucks in cash, you and your boy sitting out in the parking lot or Johnny Law sitting out in the parking lot and saying, hey, what you got in your hand there? I got two huge bags of money filled with a million dollars. And they say, well, I I, I, got, I got some money from the bank. I tell you what, you give us $2,000 and we'll act like we didn't see you. Deal. And that's what's going on. You've got companies like this. You've got companies like MF Global stealing people's private bank accounts. Now, this wasn't stealing bank accounts, but still laundering drug money. I mean, this is getting absolutely insane. So, you know, we'll transition off of the Wells Fargo stuff about laundering the drug money, and let's get into talking about my boy John. My boy John Corzine that um, had a shortfall of $106 billion in his little company called MF Global. So what does John do? Well, John's a CEO. So he sits at the top and he sits at the big table, right? He sits at the end of the big table, and everybody tells him how great he is, what a good job he's doing but then they come to him and say hey john we're missing we're we're going to we're going to default to JP Morgan so we need to um we need to come up with some cash so what does john do he says well you know we do have some cash assets of our our clients that we could you know we could give them that completely illegal and the way that these these accounts are set up, they're segregated accounts. So I, I've explained this before, but just to recap, a segregated account, the best way I can describe it is like a PayPal account. Okay, Everybody's used PayPal before, or if not, it's like – for those of you that haven't, it's like a, um, a preloaded um, debit card. So when you get like a debit card or you get a gift card for Christmas that's got $50 on it, or let's say you buy it for – let's say you buy it for your sister – I'm going to buy this $50 gift card. I'm going to give you 50 bucks in cash. I get my gift card and I give it to my sister. And then and then my sister takes it and tries to go buy something with it and there's nothing on the card. Well, what happened? That was a segregated account. That was individual cash that so was not part of it was not part of, you know, Visa or whoever. It was hers. Same kind of thing. So the investors, what they would do is they would invest money into their private segregated accounts, and they would place bets, much like we were talking about before with the derivatives, but they would place futures bets, you know gold, silver, whatever, commodities trading company, so they place these bets, and you know if they make money, obviously their account goes up if they lose money, their account goes down but um you know so they've got all this money laying around. John says, "Well, hey, let's just give them that and this is actually an article that just came out I think it just came out tonight um and it's the bottom link on my website uh JP Morgan MF global claimed that the transfer was legal so just an excerpt from the article and i read this all and i'm about wanting to puke the entire time cuz this is something that really frustrates me because you won't you'll hear about it a little bit in the mainstream media but you know they're not going to go after one of their own remember john corzine was a senator he was a, he was the governor of new jersey I mean this is a high-profile guy. He was Barack Obama's private liaison, his finance guy. This is his boy. So continuing, um, just out of the article, it says that it has since emerged that the 175000000 million didn't in fact get drawn from customer funds, which is in violation of industry rules and contributing to the shortfall of some $1.6, 1.6 billion. And the FBI and figure regulators are now investigating as questions of swirl as questions swirl about what MF Global knew that taking clients money was being yes, misused. Well remember John Corzine said he didn't know anything, but there there's another guy involved, the head of the CME group, and I got his testimony right here um recorded, which is um it's a little bit different. So let's, uh, let's hear what he has to say on the, on the subject. This was actually back in December. Take a listen.
0: CFTC and CME staff and auditors returned to the firm on Sunday, October 30th, and were informed by MF Global employees that this discrepancy was caused by, quote, an accounting error. Our auditors worked with the CFTC, devoted the rest of the day and night Sunday to find the so-called accounting error. No such error was ever found. Instead, at about 2 a.m. Monday morning, October 31st, MF Global informed both the CFTC and CME at approximately the same time that the shortfall was real and that customer segregated funds had been transferred out of segregation to the firm's broker dealer accounts. After receiving this information, CME remained at MF Global while MF Global att- attempted to identify funds that could be transferred into segregation to reduce or eliminate the discrepancy a cme auditor also participated in a phone call with senior mf global employees wherein one employee indicated that mr corzine knew about the loans that had made for the customer segregated from the customer segregated accounts cme group has provided this information of these individuals to the Department of Justice and the CFTC who are investigating these matters.
1: God. So, you almost did it, Johnny Boy. You almost got away. But it's too bad that you're going to get rolled on. Well, let's hope at least. Let's hope at least that there is some justice out there and this guy gets what he deserves. Now, continuing throughout the article... And um, and this is kind of interesting in a prepared testimony, three former MF Global executives, the general counsel, um, the CFO of the brokerage firm arm, and the CFO of the parent company, said that they don't know at the time that the JP. Morgan transfer was made that it drew on customer funds. The fourth assistant treasurer, declined to testify invoking her Fifth Amendment right of self-incrimination. So I'm interested to see how this is all going to shake out, but once again, this is what we're facing, everybody, and and I talk about it almost every week, or at least I try to. We're about to get conquered by a bunch of con men. The United States is – I mean if they can get away with this, grabbing segregated bank accounts, stealing your money, well, guess what? When that derivatives bubble pops – And it's going to pop. Eventually, it's got to pop, guys. I mean every bubble that that the Federal Reserve and this fractional reserve banking system creates pops. It happens every time. It's about every ten years. But now what you're seeing is the casinos running wild. And remember, I, I, I read you the article last week about the guy talking about leaving Goldman Sachs, saying that this this entire this entire you know aura that this this company gives off, or this entire you know uh, the culture over there is toxic. Well, yeah, guys, they're they're criminals. They're legal criminals. Now, they can go through it with a sharp, you know, fine-toothed comb with the T's and C's and stick you, but they're going to stick you. And these people are driven by capital. They're not driven by anything that you and I are motivated by. I'm motivated by watching people be successful and watching people be happy and, and flourishing and not, you know, looking at my friends freak out because they're not going to have enough money to, in their bank account to pay their bills and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're just different creatures than you and I, but you've got to start paying attention. You've got to get people to start paying attention to this stuff. Imagine what would happen if you walked out of a bank with a million dollars and somebody saw you give a cop two or two grand and then walk scot-free. They would go absolutely bonkers, but these big corporations can do it all day long, and nobody bats an eye because guess what? i got to go see if Tim Tebow or Mark Sanchez is going to start for the Jets. So that's the entire show for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in Sunday, 1 o'clock. We are live. Right. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, everybody.